Hey guys, this is April. Did you know that you can leave us a voice message with your feedback or a question right on our Anchor homepage and we can incorporate it into the podcast? So cool. Head to anchor.fm slash east to west WLS. Scroll down the page a little bit until you see the message button. Using your smartphone, click that button and leave us your feedback or a question and we will drop it in an upcoming podcast episode. We're so excited to connect with you. Thank you for your continued support of East to West WLS. Hello, welcome to East to West WLS, the podcast where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April and I'm the West. And I'm Jason and I'm the East. Today, our guests are absolutely amazing and experts in their field. We have the opportunity to welcome two very prominent members of kind of the plastic surgery community and world, Dr. Gavin Dry and his wife, Melissa Dry. Hello. Hey. Great to be a part of it. Oh, we are so excited to, to speak with you. Um, we actually found you through the woman that inspired me to have bariatric surgery. Uh, she's three years post-op. She recently went through quite a few procedures with you, Dr. Dry and Melissa, and uh, her results are phenomenal. I mean, I, don't, I mean, I could probably talk an hour about how she has transformed her body with the help of both of you. And in learning about her experience, you know, her plastic journey and her bariatric journey, when she found out that we wanted to dedicate kind of a whole month to plastic surgery, she reached out to us and was like, you need to talk to uh, Gavin and Melissa. These are the people who you absolutely need to connect with. So we're so excited and we're so thankful for your time today because there's a lot of questions that really kind of revolve around plastic surgery, especially after, uh, after a bariatric procedure. So we thank you for your time. <laughs> You're welcome. We're happy to be here. Awesome. So before we kind of dive in, I would love to just kind of give you to the floor at the beginning to maybe just introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners and, and to our followers and to the people who are watching. So if you want to share like where you live or why you decided to go into the careers that you did and kind of what your role is uh, in your professions, that would be great. All right. Well, I'm happy to be here. My name is Dr. Gavin Dry. I'm a plastic surgeon. I've been in practice now for just over 20 years in the Bellevue area in Washington State. Um, and I, I would say that ostensibly a large part of my practice is dedicated primarily towards plastic surgery after massive weight loss. And I love the community. I love being a part of it. I love the positivity that somebody has when they take something so proactive and so positive in life and they want to change their life for the better. And for us to be a part of that on their journey is a phenomenal thing. So I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. I love being a part of it. And I love sort of doing what I can in order to be able to make somebody the best that they possibly can be. And of course, over the course of many years, 20 years, I obviously have my lovely wife next to me and working with me for many, many years, um, which, uh, which I am happy and very grateful for part of that. Yes, I've been working with him for 16 years, so do anything from be in surgery, a recover patients, um, answer questions for post-operative care, and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, we're, we're so excited to have the opportunity to talk to both of you today because Dr. Dry, you can offer right, the very technical surgical experience and, and answer those types of, of questions, but Melissa, what a lot of people are very excited or they're really kind of desperate to know is how can I best prepare for surgery and then how do I best prepare you know set myself up for success afterwards and in your role you are really interacting with the patients on just as an intimate level I think as Dr. Dry does so to have the the back and forth um you know conversation I think is going to be amazing absolutely amazing all right well shall we just dive in yes we got it all right let's do this Hey, it's April with East to West WLS. I don't know about you, but after I dropped a significant amount of weight, my body just didn't feel like my own and I needed help feeling like it was my own again. So I started receiving chiropractic care. If you live in the Tacoma area, I cannot recommend Grit City Cairo more. Dr. McKenzie is passionate about helping you feel, function, and live better. Check out her Instagram at Grit City Cairo or her website, gritcitychiropractic.com for more info and to book your first consultation. And if you mention East to West, you'll get a discount on your first visit. I feel amazing after seeing her, and I think you will too. 
So the first question actually I want to ask is to you, Jason, just so we can kind of set the stage here a little bit. Are you thinking about having plastic surgery now that you've lost a massive amount of weight? Uh, something, it's not really something I'm on that's on my radar right this minute because I still have some to lose, uh, to kind of get down to the area where I want. I've lost 186 pounds so far. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I'm thinking probably another close to 50 pounds I would like to get off before I start thinking about it. And I've been going to the gym to shore up a lot of loose skin. So the way my body type is, I'm fortunate enough to not really be struggling with a lot of that right now. I don't know what the next 50 pounds is going to do for that, but hopefully with what I've been doing in the gym, it's going to, I'm going to build enough to, to keep from doing it, but I would definitely not rule it out if it's something that turns to be, you know, medically necessary. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people in our community where skin removal surgery absolutely is a medical necessity, right? And I'm sure you, you two have both seen this where people just have such an excessive amount of skin that it really does impact their health and wellness. And then it's something that has to be done instead of something that maybe needs to be done, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's a couple of things about that. One is, I mean, obviously with a tremendous amount of, of weight loss, like Jason, I mean, 180 pounds phenomenal, is that you have a tremendous amount of extra loose skin. That loose skin folds over in most areas and it can produce these infections, these chronic infections in the skin folds underneath the stomach area and the back and underneath the breasts. And those chronic infections, yeah, they're pretty debilitating and they're very, very difficult to get rid of and to treat unless you remove that overhanging skin. There's no question about it. And again, you can do everything that you possibly can in terms of the medications, but unless you remove that overhanging skin, that, that overhanging skin, that infection does not go away. Yeah, so it's sort of medically necessary in that regard in order to be able to treat it adequately. Okay, yeah, and I've really kind of noticed that as well. I do have, I, I thought I just had a lot of extra fat to lose, but I am kind of starting to understand it's fat and it's in its extra skin. And I've just been noticing under my breasts and kind of like, you know, my lower abdomen area, I'm getting you know, some raw areas that I hadn't gotten before. And it's like, oh, okay, then that, <laughs> can, be, that can be what that is. Yep, Ab no, absolutely. And again, you can do the best care that you possibly can, put on some drying agents, put on some gauze or anything else underneath there. But it's very, very difficult to get rid of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it usually involves me laying in my bed, lifting my boobs up and like fanning under <laughs> yeah. here for about an hour, yeah. <laughs> my husband will walk into the bedroom and the first time I was doing this, he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I think I got something going on under here. And of course the husband would be like, well, let me take a look. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, no, bro, I actually really do. And when he saw it for the first time, he was like, oh, oh, that looks really painful. I'm like, yeah. yeah. It's right. not fun. This is yeah. not enjoyable in any sense of the word. So, you yeah. know, I think it's important that people know that sometimes plastic surgery is not about vanity. It's not about looking a certain way. It really is about your overall health and it's about your quality of life and, and what you're able to do when you have this, this excess skin that's removed, right? Yeah. It, yeah. it can be both. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I mean, and also getting back to sort of normal activities in terms of, you know, exercise that somebody wants to do. I mean, it's very difficult for a lot of individuals with a significant amount of extra loose skin to exercise or do the activities that they want to do on a daily basis without either one causing pain and irritation or more breakdown in those little raw spots. So yeah, it becomes, if, if something significantly interferes with your ability to carry out your daily activities to the extent that you want to do, then it's time to go, yeah, maybe I should see if there's something I can do about it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Jason, I don't know if you have noticed this, but when I have been doing some more physical activities, like, you know, like movement, all of a sudden, like my skin is slapping against other skin <laughs> and I can hear it. And, and I was like, again, why am I just experiencing all of these great new things now that I'm down 120 pounds? This is quite the reward for rapid weight loss. And you're like, God, dude. <laughs> That, that's about the only thing I had noticed when uh, Dr. Dry was saying, you know, the, about the under the underhang in the belly. I have a little bit of that and I do have a just kind of on the underwear band side where that that does create some of those irritating sores. So that is something that I definitely will have to have to look into. I, I kind of wasn't thinking about that at the time that I had said what I said. But at the same time, you know, depending on where I end up, you know, with all this, when all is said and done, I may actually have to end up getting that, at least that part taken off, because if it's not going to get any better through any medications or any of that, then I'm not really going to have that much of a choice. Yeah. 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 And unfortunately, the more, the more weight you lose, the worse that can get sometimes, um, because the more fat that you remove and the more fat that you lose, obviously, 
the, the skin can't shrink. And if the skin can't shrink, then it just hangs over some more. And then it can cause a little bit more irritation, a little bit more rubbing. But it's certainly, I wouldn't advocate, you know, pausing or halting on the weight reduction. So keep on doing what you're doing, doing a great job and keep on going down on the weight loss and then see what happens after that. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, and that really kind of leads us, I guess, to our first question is, you know, how is our plastic surgery experience as, as a bariatric patient maybe different from somebody who is not a bariatric patient? Are there big things that, that really do make the experience different? Well, I mean, I'm not sure if the experience in and of itself is so much different. There's certainly the procedures that sort of the bariatric or the massive weight loss individual goes through is different than the non-weight loss individual. Um, and then certainly there are technical aspects from a surgeon that we need to be cognizant of when we do the procedures as opposed to weight loss individuals and non-weight loss individuals. The overall experience is more dependent upon the actual procedure. And sometimes the weight loss procedures that we do are bigger procedures. So because, of course, when you lose a significant amount of weight, you know, 100, 200 pounds, you have excess and loose skin in multiple areas of the body. And consequently, sometimes those procedures have to be bigger to address all of those areas at once or a significant number of those areas at once. And so the experience that you have when you go through it from a physical perspective just may be a little bit more because the procedures are different. I would say that there is some emotional component that's somewhat different, um, simply just because of the fact that, again, if you lose 100, 150, you know, 200 pounds, it's when, when we get to the end stage and when you get to the end stage where you remove a lot of that extra skin, there is a satisfying aspect to it from your perspective and the fact that you can realize and you finally get to realize what you've done and what you've achieved. You know, once you've lost 150, 180 pounds, you may have a lot of extra loose skin that you still sort of want to feel that you need to hide. But once you remove all of that, there's a very liberating emotion about it and the fact that now you can recognize and realize the hard work that you've done. So there's a positive aspect, obviously, to most of these plastic surgery procedures, but it, I, I would say that there's the positive emotional aspect in terms of, you know, getting back to your experience, probably is of a greater end for the weight loss individuals, because again, they've worked so hard, motivated so hard, done as best as they possibly can, and now they can see the end result of it. You know, you bring up a really good point, which I wouldn't have thought about, but Jason, you and I talk about this often. You know, when we saw ourselves in pictures before surgery, we didn't really see ourselves and you know we were not necessarily motivated to take care of ourselves because we just didn't like our physical being so to go through such a rapid transformation in a short amount of time it really is a different mindset and and i think you know how we were so anxious to see what what our mind has always seen right or what we thought we looked like we're so excited to physically see it and for people that haven't lost massive amounts of weight they've probably seen themselves more than what we really have. So it would be quite a different experience then, bariatric. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, you're trying to sort of now, you know, the massive weight loss individual, you're, you are getting to the end point of what you have tried to realize mentally what you've always tried to obtain. And then you're able, you're able to see that at the end and working so hard, losing all of that weight, you're able to finally see that physical appearance. Now, I would say that in my experience though, it takes a long time for the mental aspect or the psychological aspect to catch up. Um, because, you know, if you've been big and you've been heavier for the majority or significant part of your life, your brain doesn't automatically be nice to you in some respects. I mean, you're still sort of lagging back and yeah. And, and, and we have 52 podcast episodes on that about how our brain right. will haven't caught up. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, definitely the, the mental aspect of it is is astounding. And I, I kind of see the uh, probably the, the culmination of plastics kind of being the finally the, the final stage in the manifestation of what you've always wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And with that loose skin, a lot of people kind of use that as a marker of what they've been through, where they've come from, kind of as a reminder of, you know, I, I've come so far, but this is where I started. And then with all that gone, they, I, I would imagine, probably comes a lot of feeling of being a new person, even post weight loss. If you've lost 200 pounds, you're a person who's lost 200 pounds, but has the excess skin and things that you're, like you said, trying to hide and things like that. But when that's gone, you're just now a thin person that's got a body that you've dreamed of forever. And that's a whole other stage mentally to start over with almost 
to have to deal with at that point because your body dysmorphia is probably still going to kick in and you're mm -hmm. still going to be grabbing for skin that's not there and those things are going to happen but you know that yeah it's it's got to be a whole new reset to the to the mental game yeah Melissa, do, do you notice a difference in, in bariatric patients versus non-bariatric patients when you're working with them in the pre-op or the post-op world? Do you see do you see a big difference or are there things that that you think bariatric patients could do to be even better prepared for the changes that are coming before surgery? Plastics. Well, certainly preparing for surgery, we really recommend people to get in high protein in their diet as well as post-operative. Just Protein is the building blocks of the body. If you're not getting enough protein in your diet, you're not gonna have enough to heal adequately. Um, additionally, protein helps with swelling. It's a very large molecule and cannot pass through your blood vessel walls. And so subsequently, swelling that's in your tissues um, is able to be pulled into your bloodstream so that you can you know, urinate off that extra fluid and have less swelling. So there's multiple reasons why we advocate for high protein diet, um, both before and after surgery. Wow. Every single time we talk to experts in the field, we like our minds are blown. It's like, how do we not know this? Hot damn. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. <laughs> wow. So it really is important then to seek out professionals like the two of you who have a lot of experience in bariatric plastic surgery because you you just have, a I think, a more deeper understanding of the differences and the procedures and kind of what life is like and, and how to guide them. Can you, like, you know, if we didn't know, know, knew the, know the both of you, could we go into a surgical consultation and ask them if they have experience working with bariatric patients? Is that a common question? It is. It, 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 it. If it isn't, it should be, I guess. And I mean, that is certainly one of those things that I think it's, it's incumbent upon anybody going into doing anything, um, you know, whether it's, you know, bariatric plastic surgery or cardiac surgery, anything. I mean, how many of these have you done? What's your experience with it? Because of course, you know, the weight loss individual, I mean, it's gone through an extensive journey. This is not just like six months and then that's it. I mean, you know, you started years ago. This has been a lifelong process and you obviously want somebody along that journey with you who has the experience and the knowledge dealing with it. And I think it's very prudent and, and it's good that somebody goes in and just say, listen, I mean, how many of these have you done? What is your experience with a massive weight loss individual? And I, and I think that that is absolutely fine and something that I would highly encourage anybody to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and I think it's important, you know, like as we were, well, bef even before we had bariatric surgery, right? I mean, Jason, you and I, asked a billion questions of our surgeon. We, you know, we did our research and we really wanted to know. And then we also talked to people you know, who had had it done. But I think sometimes people feel intimidated asking doctors about kind of their credentials because you're a doctor, like you know, you're, you're a registered nurse. You've got the piece of paper that says you know what you're doing, right? And sometimes we, we don't want to ask these questions, but really if we don't ask them, we, we could be signing up for a service that actually isn't best for us, or we, you know, we could be selecting somebody that's not actually, you know, going to perform it to the level that we want. I mean, as we found out, a member, member of our community, her first surgery was performed by a medical doctor, but was not a board certified plastic surgeon, right? Sure. So it's, an, it's really important that you almost get down to the minutia of, of that. And really you're doing these kind of deeper reference checks to make sure that the people who you're seeing are in fact, you know, who they're seeing. And, and we asked this question at the VBM. So what does that mean? If you are a board certified plastic surgeon, what does it mean and why is that important to seek out consultations from board certified surgeons? Yeah, and, it, and it's a great question. And I mean, it's certainly something that we deal with on a sort of a fairly consistent basis. Um, you know, I would advocate certainly seeking out a board certified or board eligible plastic surgeon. Now, what that means is that that surgeon has gone through an accredited plastic surgery residency or training program that is accredited by the American Board of Medical Specialties. And then they are either board eligible if they've just come out of training or board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. And those are the individuals who are, so I would say, would deem be qualified and most experienced and best apt to handle most plastic surgery cases after bariatric procedures. Now, um, there are various board certifications, and of course, you can be board certified in dermatology, board certified in gastroenterology, and that obviously doesn't necessarily mean that you should do plastic surgery. So there's sort of a one question that somebody can ask their surgeon 
is that, and it's a very, it's a very good question is, is, are you allowed to do this procedure at a local hospital? Now, the reason it's an important and a good question is that if it's a plastic surgery procedures, local hospitals will only credential plastic surgeons. I mean, they're not going to credential dermatologists. They're not going to credential ear, nose, and throat surgeons to do that procedure. And so plastic surgeons will be allowed to do, say, you know, breast lifts or, or tummy tucks or 360 tummy tucks at a local hospital, but other specialties won't. So it's a very poignant question in are you allowed to do this procedure at a local hospital? Ooh, and I love that because that's a way that you can really let them know that I am not an idiot. Right. I'm doing all of my back end research and I'm going to make sure that you are not going to go like full Dexter on my tummy. Right. <laughs> and it's also a way that's a little less confrontational about it than saying, are you board certified? Because then they're like, your, your question and they're, you know, that, that, so that's a little different. It's a little better way. But the, the most important thing is, is you're still able to be your own advocate because yeah. one of the things we've learned through this entire process is through multiple times of people talking about their, you know, well, my, you know, I had my surgery, but the, my doctor's not really good at calling me back or they don't really communicate with me if I'm having problems or they don't like, you've got to be the squeaky wheel that gets the grease and being your own advocate and standing up and letting people know that, Hey, I'm, I'm not here. You know, I'm, I'm here for, for the realness. I need, I need the real business. Like we're not going to do all this. Like I need you to, to communicate with me and I need to know that you're on the up and up because I'm not going to play games because this is my life we're talking about. Like people die during plastic surgery if things don't go right, like mm -hmm. any surgery. So making sure you've got somebody that's going to do what they need to do the right way. You know, that's something that's, that's literally could save your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and just so I make sure that I can understand that, I got to put it in terms that, that I get. So Jason, you'll appreciate this. So a board certified plastic surgery would be like, if I had, if I own an Aston Martin, right? A DB9, there are mechanics out there. I could take it to a mechanic, but that mechanic is not necessarily going to understand the intricacies of my very luxurious car, right? So if I want my car taken care of well, I'm going to, I'm going to go to a mechanic that specializes in taking care of my Aston Martin correct? Yeah. Okay. And that is a board certified plastic surgeon. Right. Who's been trained specifically trained in plastic surgery residency. Yes. And that's, again, that's, and it's not to say, and I mean, it's not to say that there aren't cosmetic surgeons out there who do good work, but I would say that it, it, it would be best and most advantageous for anybody walking into a consultation to ensure that they're probably going to be in the best hands to seek out that board certified plastic surgeon, and they are board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. Perfect, got yeah. it. Well, I mean, come on, I mean, let, let's face it, friends, if you're gonna go shopping, you might as well shop at Nordstrom's, right? I mean, <laughs> let's just cut to the chase. <laughs> All right, excellent, because that was a, that's a, it's an important question that a lot of people have, and yeah. I'm thankful to know, like, these are questions that, that we need to ask as we're going into it. So what are, what are the most common procedures that, that benefit people who have had an extreme amount of weight loss? And then at what point in your like post-op recovery life could you or should you be thinking about plastic surgery? Like how soon is too soon? Yeah, great question. So first, I'll add to the second question first. I mean, okay. when, should, when should somebody consider doing some sort of plastic surgery procedure after weight loss? I mean, ostensibly, um, when your weight is stable. So I usually advocate when somebody has, has lost their weight and their weight is stable for a period of about six months. And then it's sort of plateaued when it's six months now. And that is weight stable is different than a goal weight. And I mean, because somebody may or may not have achieved their goal weight. And I mean, somebody's goal weight is, is variable and it's sort of, it's predetermined based upon sort of a set of, you know, abstract variables. And it assumes that every single human being is the same, which they're not. So if somebody can obtain their goal weight, fantastic, but you don't necessarily need to beat your goal weight prior to having surgery, because again, that's going to be variable. Make sure that your weight is stable for a good six months at least, and then basically you can you know, move forward with certain plasticity procedures. Now, what are the prime or the major plasticity procedures? Now, in essence, I mean, if you've lost a significant amount of weight, unfortunately, gravity works and skin will fall everywhere. You know, and, and ostensibly it's sort of, you know, everywhere from sort of the top of your head to the bottom of your soles, your feet, it's kind of everywhere. I would say that the majority of the procedures, however, are related to breasts, arms, 
and trunk, meaning abdomen. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, abdomen and then the sides and then on the back. And those are, the, I mean, those are the most common areas. Now, you know, there's obviously people can have a lot of excess sort of skin on the neck and that can be addressed as well. And again, anywhere you have skin, it can say. So starting from the top, I mean, certainly with the excess amount of skin on the arms, um, unfortunately, you know, much like skin everywhere else, the skin can't shrink. And if the skin can't shrink, it just, it hangs. And if it hangs, certainly on the arms, the principal procedure that we do is called a brachioplasty, where we take off that extra skin, usually starts down at the incision, usually starts at the elbow, and then comes all the way down through the armpit. And then most times it comes down onto the side of the chest here as well, because there's always extra skin that comes down onto the side of the chest. Yeah, April's making a bad face there. So, and, that, and that's essentially to remove that extra skin and fat that's there. Because of course, I mean, no, no matter amount of extra weight loss or dieting or getting that, that weight down again is not gonna remove that extra skin. So the brachioplasty is a, is a very, very common procedure. Because again, there's nothing else that you can do to get rid of that. Okay. Breast procedure is also very, very common. Uh, most times, obviously gravity has worked and the breasts have gone south a little bit and we need to move them back up again. So almost invariably and almost in every single individual, we need to lift the breast back up again. And then depending upon what somebody wants, we can augment the breast. Now, there are two different ways that you can augment it. You can either do what's called an auto augmentation where you can use your own tissue to bring it back up into there as well. Instead of actually taking the tissue off and throwing it away, you can use that tissue to reconstruct the breast and give that volume back to the breast, or you can put in an implant. Um, so there's certainly two options and, and which is best depends upon what somebody wants, the outcome they're looking for, and then obviously in good discussion with the surgeon in terms of what they feel is going to be best to give that person the best outcome. Yeah. And then the abdomen, abdomen trunk area, um, that's basically, I mean, it's usually, although not always, it's the most common and the first step that most people go through, simply just because it gives you the biggest difference out of any one surgery. And most commonly, I'll say as a general rough guide for most people, if you've lost probably more than 75 to 100 pounds, aesthetically, the best procedure is what we call a belt lipectomy or 360 tummy tuck, where we basically go all the way around we do a tummy tuck in the front, and then the incision goes all the way around to the back to take off all the extra skin and the fat that's on the side, and then on the back and lifts up on the outer thighs, lifts up on the buttocks as well, and takes off the extra skin and the fat on the lower back. So that's in general for most people who have lost more than 75 to 100 pounds. If the weight loss is a little bit less than that, then we can do just a standard tummy tuck where we address just the front, make an incision that's low, goes sort of hip to hip, we lift up the skin, tighten up the stomach muscles underneath, and we take off as much of that extra skin and fat as possible. And that's just a standard tummy tuck. But again, if you've lost more weight than that, most people aesthetically benefit from going all the way around. And then moving further down, you can do an inner thigh lift. So if you have extra skin on the inner thighs, much like it's the same as sort of similar to the have just on the arms. If you have extra skin on the thighs that you can't get rid of, then that's an inner thigh lift. And that incision basically much like in the arm, it starts at the knee and then comes all the way up on the inside of the, of the thigh and then up into the groin to take off that extra skin. Now, how much you take and how far that incision goes um, depends upon how much you have. Not everybody needs it all the way down to the knee. If you've got a lot of extra skin, that's where you need it. If you, if you don't, then you don't. Um, ostensibly. So, and that's where it sort of is very important to discuss that in consultation with a surgeon who is comfortable doing these procedures, who's going to give you the best procedure possible. Well, you guys don't recommend doing more than one at a time, right? Like if somebody came in and said they wanted to get their breast and their tummy done, or they wanted to do their arms and their, I guess maybe possibly, I guess you could probably do the arms and the breast at once, but probably don't recommend more than two at a time in that situation. Yeah, so that's a, that's a, that's a great question. So, um, and that's a, that's been dependent upon sort of the personal preference of the surgeon, and and I would advocate where the surgery is being performed. And so, as a general safety advocacy, I would say that in I would not advocate that you do an outpatient surgery procedure that takes longer than six hours. Outpatient meaning you know you go into a surgery center, you have the have the surgery, and then you go home the same day. Now, there are certainly some surgeons who do these in a hospital setting and you stay over one to two days. Now, if you're doing that, then, uh, then you can do more surgeries. I would say that the vast majority, the most common thing is we do sort of lower body lift and upper body lift, meaning that 
people who have lost a significant amount of weight, we will do the 360 tummy tuck or a belt lipectomy all in one, and then come back usually in around three months and then do the upper body, meaning doing the arms and the breasts at the same time. Yeah, and that's, that's very, very common and certainly not a problem. Okay, well, and I was, as you were describing the procedures, Jason was kind of thinking about you, like, do, do men have breast lifts? Like, do men, you know, are these procedures, they're not specific to gender, right? It's just, if you've got sagging skin, these are the things that you can do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you've got skin, regardless of whether you're male or female, you've got sagging skin. In men, basically, there's a little bit of a difference in terms of the technique that we do. Um, but essentially, if you've got extra skin on the chest, we have to take it off. Um, and with that, basically, we take off that extra skin, that extra fat on the chest. But it's ostensibly the same procedure because you can't lose that much weight and not have that extra skin. So, yes, it is slightly different from a technical perspective, but the outcome is still the same. Yes. Interesting. I, yeah, I guess for some reason that just popped into my head and I was like, wait a minute, like these, I mean, skin is skin, no matter if you're a male or a female. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I went from a solid uh, solid C cup to back down to a B now. So I'm, I'm, working, <laughs> on, I'm, working, on, I'm working on getting to an A cup. I'm trying, but, you know, it's going to be a while. <laughs> well, Jason, when, when he was talking about the chin procedure, I know that's kind of our, that well, that's your running joke. I know I'm not calling you out on that, but Jason does not, he's very excited because now he's part of the one chin club. And that's no, a very single, chin, single chin gang. Single chin yes. gang. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, that's a big accomplishment should be proud uh, of yeah. yeah i i had uh I, I was telling them earlier i was like you some of the things that have changed over time has been my beard has come away because i used to i mean my beard used to be down to the middle of my chest because right. i would just hide i wanted to hide everything about my face and my just my identity as a whole um but yeah as i kept trimming my wife was like you can get rid of all of that now because it just doesn't look right <laughs> because you're a little bitty because I mean, before I mean, I, I'm six four, so at being six four, four hundred and sixty eight pounds, the beard wasn't really out of place for me being just a giant human. But as I slimmed down, she's like, "Yeah, it looks weird now." So she's like, getting me to trim, and I'm trimming like little bits of like maybe a half inch, an inch at a time. And she's like, "No, keep going." And I was like, <laughs> "No," because they're under there. And she was like, "No, they're not." And I'm like, "I keep going," and finally, I was like. Okay, maybe not. You win this time. I was like, but I'm going to grow it back out. And then the more I had it down, I was like, no, I'm not growing it back out because it does look, it looks a little crazy on me being smaller now. So, yeah. Right. Well, and, and the other really interesting thing that, that you said at our virtual bariatric meetup really resonated with Jason and I. And that was, you know, people always ask like, well, what should I have done? And where do I start? And what's, you know, they want to know the big procedures. And your response was, well, you need to start with the area that is most uncomfortable for you. It's not about me. This right. is about, you know, where, where are you most subconscious or what do you really want to improve with? And that's where we start, right? Yeah. Because for some people, you know, the, the arms might really be bothering them, whereas the tummy is not. Well, then why focus on your tummy? If this is what is going to add joy and improvement to your life, then this is what you do, right? It's about you, what you want. Yeah, exactly. The whole journey is, is, is a process for you. And we're here to help you be the best that you can be. And that's pretty much about it. We're not here to basically tell you what you have to do. And with all of these areas, as I say, gravity works, right? So skin sags and it sags everywhere. Just and, and pick the area that bothers you the most. I mean, and then start with there. And that's and that's simply it. We, we're happy to go over all of the all of the potential options in terms of removing the extra skin, but just start wherever you need to start. And that's it. If you want to start at the top first, arms first, breast first, inner thighs first, lower body, it's, it's your choice. And that's what it is, is having the choice and the power to be able to make it your journey, not ours. I kind of feel like people get kind of the misconception of, but just by watching everybody else on Instagram, they're like, oh, I've lost all this weight. I got to get a tummy tuck. And then I'll get my breast done and then I'll do this. And that like, they just kind of figure like, that's just the running mill. Like that's what you do. You lose all the weight. You go for the tummy first and you do this and you got to do, you know, instead of, you know, like you said, coming in and just actually going through the consultation and being like, well, what do you feel like doing? Not what, don't worry about what everybody else did. Like how, what's going to be most beneficial for you on your journey. So yeah, that's, that's good that you guys actually explore that with people. Yeah. And most people do start with a tummy first or the lower body first, but that doesn't mean that you need to. I mean, if everybody goes out and buys a white car, it doesn't mean that you can't have your hot pink car. Right. Yeah. Truth. Aston Martin, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
you're speaking his language. Yeah. <laughs> like cars. Oh, Jason, uh, that's why one of the reasons Jason and I get along so beautifully is we, I rebuilt a 1965 Impala Supersport with my dad. I grew up around fast muscle cars. My dad has a very nice, uh, super fancy car. So yeah, Jason is the same way. We're, we're all motorheads. So <laughs> years we start, I'm sorry, what? Oh yeah, we can, I get that. So, Melissa, what, what do you recommend? So, I mean, like these procedures, I mean, just as you were describing them, Dr. Dry, I was, it was giving me the heebies a little bit because that just sounds not pleasant and, and very painful. But if you are going to commit to going through so, you know, a plastic surgery experience, you probably want to make sure that you are getting the bang for your buck and you're doing everything correctly after surgery. So Melissa, how do you counsel, you know, patients to really come into surgery as well prepared as possible and then recover so that, you know, it, it's minimally invasive and their scars heal and, and they get the results that they want? Yes. One of the great things is, um, you go through your consult, you get a little bit of information about recovery. But two weeks before your procedure, you come in for a pre-operative visit. Um, prior to that visit, we typically send all of the instructions about before and after care. Um, and so when people come in, we kind of review that with them. And at that point, they have the opportunity to ask as many questions as, as they have. So um, we go through things like diet, getting your fluids in, um, wearing your compression garment, um, uh, uh, dressing changes, um, what, what things should you call about, which basically is anything you have a question about. It's better to ask and not worry than to just keep worrying about it and waiting. So we'd rather get a call or a text or an Instagram message from a patient asking any question that they have. Um, and I can't tell you how important it is that, that, that you have said that now, because again, in our bariatric world, Jason and I probably field 500 questions a day on Instagram from people that have had our surgery about like, oh, XYZ is happening. What should I do? And it, it, literally it's a canned response now on our Instagram. Call your surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're just so terrified to call their surgeon. And it's like, but they're your surgeon. Like you, yes. they are paying great money. They have the paper hanging on the wall. They've seen your insides. They're the ones that need to know. And people are just so terrified to call them. So to hear you say, bat signal us when you have a question is powerful and is not said enough in the medical community. I, that's Jason I's personal opinion. But. Right. Yeah, and it, it is true. People, people ask this sort of the very valid question is, what, what do I need to worry about? Or what do I need to call you about? Yeah. And I mean, you know, the ostensible answer is basically, I mean, if we're seeing them either before or after the surgery, this is sort of what we expect. If we're seeing them and everything looks good, if something changes, call us. I mean, yeah. if, if you have something that is concerning to you that you don't know whether or not it should look like that, just let us know. Just ask us because that's, I mean, that's what we're here for. And that's part of the medical journey to surgical journey. We're not just there for the few hours in the surgery. We're there for the entire process. And I'm not, you know, not speaking just for myself. This is just us as surgeons as a general community. We're there for you. So if there's something that's concerning, let us know. And I would strongly advocate for that for sure. Because for us to take a couple minutes to be able to say, yep, that looks normal and alleviate your anxiety and your worry and your fear and you can go about your daily business, that's a couple minutes. That doesn't really take that much. And we well, don't. And it's, good. it's good that you give everybody the, the, the multiple options to get in touch with you so they know that they, you know, because some people get a little anxiety about calling the, the doctor, you know, the, the, the main line or the hotline or whatever it may be. So being able to shoot you a text or a message may make them feel a little more at ease because you'll be shocked. Like you say what you say about, you know, surgeons needing to be available, but we talk to hundreds of people a day that are like, my surgeon won't call me back. They don't answer questions. They don't, and I'll be, and this will be during business hours after hour. It doesn't matter. Like they just don't, that they feel like they feel a band. Like they, they took their money after the surgery and we're like, all right, man, take it easy. And this is gonna heal up. Hope, hope, hope everything goes okay. And you're just like, oh, oh, okay. Well, this sucks because now I'm just out here in the wind, like I'm in the middle of the lake, and my oars are gone. I don't know how I'm gonna paddle back. And that's just kind of the thing. 
So to hear that from, you know, doctors like yourself, and we've got a couple other in the community that are just amazing for that reason alone, just that you're, you're approachable, you can get in contact with you when needed. And I, I think there needs to be more of that in, in our community. I agree. And I feel like, uh, so not only when patients are discharged, we also go over the instructions in detail with their care provider. And when they are leaving, they have the office phone number and office hours, and they're told outside of office hours, here's the doctor's cell phone number. You can call, you can text, you can send a picture and say, is this normal? We get messages to the office emails. We get messages to the Instagram. Um, I get messages. He gets messages on Instagram. So we're happy to answer questions. Well, and really too, I would imagine, I mean, this is kind of twofold. Like it's your job as a patient to advocate for what you need and to find a, a surgical team that is doing and operating how you guys do, right? right? But for you guys as well, you know, being the medical providers, you don't want your patients to, to fail. You don't want them to not have a successful procedure. So if you can address an issue, if there is one right away, it's good for everybody. I mean, it's just good for you as medical, you know, I mean, the brand, because people will come to you if they see positive results and you only get positive results when the patient and the doctor, when the team is working together, right? right? In tandem. Oh, exactly. so simple, but not, right? I mean, Oh yeah. my goodness. So Melissa, what are the, what are the biggest struggles that you see people go through post-op or, or after their, their plastic surgery procedure? And then how can they kind of overcome those? Um, so certainly after surgery, I think sometimes people have a misconception of, oh, aesthetic surgery isn't real surgery, but it is, it, it's a big procedure. People can have small wound problems. They can have small infection problems. They can certainly swelling and pain are normal with any surgery. Um, but those are probably the most common things are, would be either a small uh, opening in their incision or, oh, I have this little red spot here or um, occasionally people will like spit a stitch out and they're like, what's this going on here? Um, just as your body is dissolving the stitches, sometimes instead of dissolving the stitch, your body decides I'm gonna spit this out instead. So those are probably the most common things we hear are swelling, small openings in their incisions or a small reddened area that maybe is irritated or a small infection there. And people, well, I mean, we follow a couple of people, Jason, that have undergone undergone some of these procedures and they're not shy about showing, you know, what it looks like. So I think everybody has seen very graphic, you know, pictures of here I am two days post-op drains and blood and gauze, yes. and, you know, all yes. kinds of things going everywhere. And I think what is so hard for us is that, you know, when you undergo bariatric surgery, there's just little tiny incisions on your skin even though your insides have been gutted, like you're just straight, you know, you're missing stuff that you were born with. Yeah. And it's hard to equate the pain that you're going through because you can't physically see it. Yeah. So then when you think like, oh, I'm just having, you know, plastic surgery, it's not, like you said, it's not real surgery, but you've detached your skin from your body. Like you've again taken something that you were born with and now you have missed it and you've basically stitched yourself together. That is huge. And I think a lot of people, think that you're going to bounce back very quickly, right? Because I mean, Jason, well, you had like no pain after your bariatric surgery. You were really, your recovery was quick. Mine was a little bit longer, but all of a sudden for us, we woke up one morning and I feel normal. Like nothing is wrong, even though you know what's happened on the inside. And I think with plastic surgery, it's like, oh, I'm going to, this is going to be no problem. Like my bariatric procedure. And then people are like, well, six months later, I can just sit up straight. You know, I mean, that's right. Yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah, because I was two, I think right, of, it, it was just shy of two weeks. I didn't even have left side incision pain anymore. Like my stomach muscles were fine. Like I was, I was back at work on day six post-op from having my, my BSG anyway. But I, I think one of the biggest things that blew my mind about plastics is, I mean, you always just heard about plastics, you know, before I had bariatric surgery, it was tummy tucks and, you know, breast lifts and jobs and all that i knew what it was but i had no idea 
the extent of like April said, like the incisions and the healing and the process. And like I, when I see people that take pictures and they're like, yeah, I'm still swollen at month three. And I'm like, what the, like, what? Like, I, we just had no idea. It blew my mind because I just had no idea that it was like that. I, people don't really get to see the full result of what they're doing until almost a year out. And that just was mind blowing to me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I tell I tell most people in terms of the magnitude of the surgery because people always say, you know, how how bad is the recovery going to be? I mean, give me some sort of expectation in terms of recovery for something like this, and and you know they they like to equate it to other surgeries they've gone through, either bariatric with ESG or bypass or something like that, or even C sections, and and I try to say in a very simplistic term is that the magnitude of recovery and consequently the magnitude of the discomfort that you have associated with any surgical procedure is directly proportionate to the amount of soft tissue that gets damaged. So soft tissue being skin, fat, muscle, things like internal organs, um, you know, heart or actual bone in and of itself rather than the covering of the bone, um, liver, those things have very, very few pain fibers. And so if you have say something like, you know, a VSG or if you have a bypass, you've got small little incisions in the stomach and then you go inside the abdomen and most of those um, and sort of the stomach and the intestines don't have true pain fibers, but everything that we're dealing with with plastic surgery is soft tissue. We're dealing with the skin, we're dealing with the fat, we're dealing with the muscle. So all of them have pain fibers to a certain extent. So the magnitude of the recovery, magnitude of discomfort is related to the amount of soft tissue that gets damaged. So when we do a tummy tuck, for example, we are dealing with all of that soft tissue in the front here, the skin, the fat, the muscle tightening back together again, and a lot of times with liposuction as well. So it's a big surface area. So consequently, the amount of recovery, the amount of swelling that you have, the amount of discomfort that you potentially can have is bigger. And again, when we go all the way around doing a 360, again, that, that amount of soft tissue is consequently bigger. So, and again, it's sort of one of those things, however, that is very well managed though, um, because obviously there are thousands, if not millions of people who go through these procedures on a constant basis. And so it is very well managed and obviously, and again, I would, I would go back to that's where it's important to be able to sort of, to seek out professionals, seek out surgeons, seek out a clinic who does this on a constant basis, who understands that process that can effectively manage the pain, the discomfort and, and lead you through that process. Absolutely. And I would say from the swelling perspective as well, Swelling is a pain in the rear. I mean, for everybody, and it sticks around for a long time. And I, you know, I try to encourage people to be patient. Normal human healing takes at least 10 to 12 months. We can't speed that up. Normal pregnancy takes nine months. We can't speed that up either. It just takes <laughs> as long as it takes. Um, and it's and it's a it's a process, and it certainly goes up and it goes down. But again, you know, yes, it will it will get there to the end. But it takes a long process, and that's just normal part of the process. Well, and and I really appreciate your your explanation of that because I didn't understand the that 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 pain factor at all. I I, I just never never understood that. So you know, I think to go into surgery understanding that. This procedure is probably going to be the most painful one that I've gone through in my entire bariatric journey, simply because of how you just described what, you know, how pain is or how it's formed. But having that information and armed with that will help you prepare for your, for your aftercare and deal with things as they, as they come up and knowing that you are going to be in more pain and that is normal to be in that amount of pain also kind of helps you rationalize, you know, what, what you're going to go through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a good point. I mean, one of the hardest things I think that we deal with in plastic surgery is realistic expectations of what the outcome is going to be. And that's both from a physical perspective and an emotional, mental pain perspective. Yeah. And it's being, being able to establish those realistic expectations in terms of, I mean, what's going to happen to me? What am I going to look like on the other end? What am I going to go through? Um, and again, if you can understand that, yeah, it's not going to be a walk in the park, but you're going to be fine. You're going to get through it. We're going to manage it. You know, we're going to give you the medications in order to be able to do it. We'll tell you what to do. Just having that reasonable and realistic expectation. If we expect it's going to be nothing, you're going to go in, you're going to have a surgery, you're going to come home, you're going to go on a hike the next day. No. Um, right. So it's, it's just being able to have that realistic expectation is going to be of paramount importance. Wow. Well, and that kind of leads us to kind of our last question. Um, and that is, you know, am I going to look perfect after plastic surgery? And we asked this to the VBM, or maybe as a podcast, Jason, and his response was perfect. What did you say? Like the only way that you get to be perfect is. So there's only two ways to be perfect in pictures and that's airbrushing and Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? So, which is kind of true. So I think a lot of us go into plastic surgery thinking like, oh, I'm gonna have the body, I'm gonna look this exact same way. And that just isn't true, right? It's just not. Yeah. It, no, and, and it's it is not. It's a good point. I mean, we we cannot make somebody perfect. We we can't. That's not a difficult thing. It's an impossible thing. However, what we can try to do is that we can make you the best you that you can be, and you can be as as best as you can. It's not perfect. Can we make everybody five foot eleven and one hundred and twenty pounds? No, we can't do that. Um, but we can we can help you be the best version of you that you can possibly be. And again, that's sort of and it, it's important to have that understanding when you go in and you have a consultation with that surgeon in terms of, you know, what can I expect out of this? What am I going to look like? Um, and I think it's it's important, again, I mean, photographs on, the, on Instagram, on the Internet, I mean, on even even surgeons photos that they tell you. And I, I, it's it's not a menu meaning you can't look at photos and I go, I want that, um, because every single human being is different. And when we do these procedures, we're dealing with, as I said, we're dealing with the skin, we're dealing with the fat, and sometimes we're dealing with the muscle underneath, but somebody's body structure is made up of so many different things other than that. Their bone structure, the size of their muscle, the amount of fat that's in their muscle, the, how much fat is on the inside of their abdomen, around the bowels and the organs, which we don't deal with. We're just dealing with sort of that outside structure. So yeah, we help you get the best version of you, but no, it, it's not going to be perfect. And, and to that point as well, as Melissa touched on, we can't make you perfect. We'll make you the best you, but not every recovery goes perfectly as well. Right. Um, and again, every single human being is different and you can have, you know, small little, you know, drain infections or some small little things that can occur. And again, that's normal part of the healing process. And again, this is surgery. Um, this is not to sort of make light of the fact that this is sometimes a big surgery and you know there are some things and there are risks and complications that can occur so we can't make you perfect we can make you the best you and not every time recovery goes perfectly yeah are there are there anything are there things that we can do to i mean besides just following your orders to a t after surgery are there, are there anything above and beyond that that we can do to set us up for success after bury, or after plastic surgery? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, it's kind of a cliche, be healthy, right? Yeah. You know, don't do anything that's significant outside the normal of, of normal uh, diet and exercise that you're doing. So this, this, this is both before surgery and afterwards. So before surgery, don't go on some, you know, some amazingly crash diet and eat just, you know, half a lettuce leaf every single day and try to lose a tremendous amount of weight and put yourself at nutritional compromise prior to going to surgery. Don't do that afterwards either. I mean, don't start smoking or if you do smoke, quit, you know, don't do any significant amount of exercise prior to or afterwards. I mean, so be healthy is what I, is what I say. Yes, obviously follow the instructions of the surgeon um, as the best that you can. And if anything comes up, obviously let your surgeon know that that is occurring so that you can address it, deal with it, intervene at the earliest possible time. Well, and the exercise part makes a lot of sense too, because you don't want to build a bunch of muscle and then be healing from the plastic surgery. When you can't exercise, you lose the muscle, you create extra skin that you didn't have before you had the surgery. And then you're in a whole other situation that you didn't plan for, that neither one of you planned for ahead of time. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and the, the, the woman who connected us with, with you two both, that was really, that was your advice to her. And she spent that time before her surgery, getting as healthy as she possibly could and then maintaining that level of health. And her results are stunning. I mean, floor droppingly, I mean, amazing. She was a perfect patient, but she also had a perfect surgical team. And together, you know, she really is so happy with how she looks physically. She, she always says like, you know, my outside matches my inside now. And that feels really good to me. And just to, you know, to, to know that there are things that we can do to really help us get physically to the place that we want to be is hopeful, right? Like you undergo bariatric surgery and you get some of that hope back. And then to know that plastic surgery is another step that you can take just only builds to the hope and the enjoyment and, you know, kind of what you're looking forward to in your life after going through such a, a big transition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I would say that, I mean, you know, we, we as surgeons, we, you know, we'll, we'll take credit for most things. But again, ours are the results that patients have is not necessarily solely up. It's not up to us. It's up to that individual. 
because of the work that they've done getting to that point and the motivation and the weight loss and the dedication that they've done. I mean, we're happy to be a part of it, but so, you know, the, the lady that you spoke of, that's not us, that's her. And I mean, in it's the kudos should go back to her in terms of what she's been able to do and maintain and continue to do on a daily basis because that's on her and she chose to do it. And I give her all the credit in the world for it. You know, and we, and we do understand that. We, we've undergone bariatric surgery and we have a tool. And if we don't use the tool properly and if we don't follow the tool instructional guidelines, it's not gonna work as designed. And it sounds like it's the same thing with plastic surgery. You are offering patients a tool that they can use to achieve this physical look that they are after. But it really does take, it takes you getting the tool and using it properly to come up with, with the look that you want. So. Exactly. Yes. Super powerful. Oh my goodness. Jason, do you have any questions? Did we cover everything? I think we've covered it all. They've been amazing and uh, you're, uh, you're leading us down the right path. So I think we're good. Oh my goodness. This has been so insightful, so enlightening. I just, plastic surgery was never something that I, I thought that I would consider. And now really after I, you know, my body's changed, my weight has stabilized. I'm really starting to think that this is something that I'm curious to learn more about. So we are so thankful that you both volunteering your time to really spread the knowledge, to, to express your passion, to, to help us really get a strong footing so that if we do want to explore plastic surgery, we, we have a very solid foundation to, to do so. Uh, we're, 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 we're happy to help and to be a part of anything that we can do along this road. And I would just say congratulations to everybody who's going down that road. Now, whether or not it's day one of that road, whether or not it's basically day zero, deciding that they're gonna go down that journey to improve the quality of their life so they can be here for their friends and family and loved ones. Congratulations to everybody along that road. And we're happy to be a part of it and happy to be a part of that journey. Well, we, we thank you very much for that. It's uh, underwent bariatric surgery is scary and a very small percentage of people who undergo bariatric surgery actually make it publicly known because there's a lot of shame, there's a lot of judgment. And to know that there are two outstanding medical professionals and humans as yourself that are so welcoming and opening and, and really have taken the time to empathize and understand what we go through just, just makes it even more of an enjoyable experience. So you're amazing. Thank you so very much for your time. Where can they, where can they find you? So if people have a question or maybe they want to book a consultation with you, how can they get in touch with you both? Well, they can find us on the web. So primarily at a Phoenix body, www.athenixbody.com on Instagram, same at a Phoenix body or at Gavin dry MD. Um, they can email if they need to as well as just Dr. Dry at a Phoenix So any questions, happy to answer them. Wonderful. Well, thank you for passing that information along. And we will make sure that we do all of the links in the show notes. Uh, if you live locally here in the Bellevue area, you can of course make a consultation and the Phoenix does have centers. It looks like kind of all over the nation. So if you live outside of Washington, there are options, but you won't be able to see the fabulous Gavin and, and Melissa Dry, unfortunately, but maybe worth a flight to beautiful Evergreen State. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, we do yeah. offer virtual consultations as yeah. well. So for out of state patients, oh, yeah. they can do virtual consultations. Right. Um, and we yeah. do have a lot of people actually travel to state. Washington out of state and even out of the country for surgery. So. Wow. Well, and I would imagine, I mean, I, Jason knows this about me. I, even though we've never met in person, I am not a touchy feely person. I don't like people touching me, putting, putting their hands on me. So, you know, but if you're going to go through plastic surgery, that usually involves that. But to know that your first consultation could be virtual is a little bit, it's a little bit safer for, for somebody like me. And, um, yeah, that's really, that is an awesome service. I did not know that existed. Wow. Absolutely. Yep. And it's a very common thing. And a lot of people, especially during the pandemic, um, sort of took that option and then we're keeping it going and it's done very well. Wow. Oh, this is just phenomenal. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm very inspired. I'm very uplifted. I'm so thankful that we can pass this information on to members of our community. It's the top question uh, that we get. And this is just a phenomenal, like I said, this is the foundation that people can really build their plastic surgery journeys on. So we thank you so very much for your time, both of you. Thank you. We're happy thank to have you for having us. All right, Jason, my friend, you want to take us out? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Thank you both for joining us. You guys have been amazing. This information has been invaluable and our community will no doubt be better for it. So thank you. Um, thank you to all our listeners for the support that you've given us so far. We would not be able to do what we do without you guys. 
Um, we appreciate all of the likes, shares, subscribes that you guys have done to help us get as far as we have. And if you would like to continue to do that, you can also leave reviews for us on your favorite podcast players, uh, reviews on YouTube as well. You can also leave us voice messages on Anchor that we can incorporate into future podcasts. If you want to give us, you want to ask questions, you can do that. If you want to leave us positive feedback, you can do that. We'll take all of the, anything you want to give us a voice message on, we will take it and we can incorporate that into the show. Uh, April, would you like to tell them about our Patreon? Yes, we have a thriving Patreon community. If you would like to support East to West in maybe a different way, then a monthly kind of subscription to our podcast really helps us keep the lights on. We very much appreciate that. And we thank, we thank our patrons by special events like AMAs, get-togethers, all that kind of fun stuff. So head to our Patreon page. It's www.patreon.com slash East, the number two, West WLS. You can hear all about it. It's pretty rad. That's right. And just remember at the end of the day, you've got this, we've got you, and we will see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.